We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, everybody? I'm BJ Kissel. This is KCSN Update, our daily Chiefs show and podcast here at KC Sports Network. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Did you know three former Chiefs have been selected to the College Football Hall of Fame announced this week? Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, and Jeremy Macklin will all officially be inducted during the 65th National Football Foundation Annual Awards Dinner next December out there in Denver. Pretty special, and congratulations to those three former Chiefs. Lucky enough to have covered those guys, have great stories uh, with all those guys that we'll get more into as we get closer to their induction. But congratulations to Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, and Jeremy Macklin. It's Tuesday, so as per usual, I'll be soon joined by The Athletic's Nate Taylor, who will answer our five burning questions following the Chiefs' 31-13 win over the Raiders on Saturday. Before we bring on Nate, let us pay some bills here at KCSN for a little quick word from our partner here for KCSN Update, DraftKings. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet the NFL playoffs anywhere else? Personally, I'll be a pay- paying attention to that Buffalo-Miami wildcard game. Can you imagine Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins coming to Arrowhead for the first uh, playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium? Not likely, but man, that would be a fun matchup to watch. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, now let's welcome on the Prince of Chiefs content, our pal Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Nate how are things? How was the trip? How was 
Chiefs versus Raiders to finish out the regular season as somebody who was there in the locker room talking with the coaches and players. Yeah, it was one of the more uh, joyous uh, post-game locker rooms this season. Um, you know, I, I was the one who decided to fly to Vegas on Saturday. So mm. it, was a, it was a long day for me, but um, the team performed, I think, its best game for the regular season, <laughs> the regular <laughs> season finale. It's like, wow, from beginning to end. I have no criticisms. I have no, I have no notes. Like this is all <laughs> very good. Uh, this is what you're supposed to do when you're the better team, right? You're just supposed to dominate uh, yep. your division rival. You know, I think the team was motivated obviously to get the one seed, but Chris Jones, I thought eloquently let the cat out of the bag, which is we wanted to go six and zero in the division. And we wanted to prove to everybody one more time before the playoffs start that, you know, they are still the class of the AFC. Now, they all have to prove that, you know, over the next couple of weeks here. Um, but it, it is astonishing to me, BJ, of course, as I've said before on this show, and we'll continue to say, like, I think the goal is to, you know, I think the mark, I think the benchmark for this team is to get back to the AFC championship game. All they have to do now is win one game, and that could be <laughs> against either the Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, or, you know, probably the toughest competition would be a three-peat with the Los Angeles Chargers. So they've accomplished everything that was available to them and their goals for the regular season. And I just didn't necessarily anticipate that. I predicted them to go 12-5, and which was the record they had a year ago. Mm -hmm. I felt that that would be good enough to win the division. I didn't think it would be good enough to win the one seat, but here they are having won 14 games. Uh, the journey was not as simple as we all thought it would be, or it wasn't as dominant, right? But yet, uh, they have proven that they are still, um, that they are still capable of when they are at their best, just absolutely overwhelming a team. And it's not like the Raiders are terrible, um, but it does show that this team is trending upward at the right time, right before their obviously postseason run. Yeah, I. I was curious what the locker room feel was going to be after that game. Cause there's they're always so business-like and they win the division. They kind of let their hair down a little bit, have a little mm -hmm. bit, uh, show the personalities a little bit. You get a little bit more of that. This is the kind of like what you just mentioned. This is the kind of stuff that they were thinking about and holding on mm -hmm. to and internal goals, internal conversation. A lot more of that stuff comes out, uh, after performances like that. But Nate, we're going to get into our five burning questions. Now the first two are going to be chiefs related as far as playoffs, how things are going right now. The next two are going to be more future type things. There's a couple of pieces of news that I want to get your thoughts on. And then yep. the last one will come it. We'll bring it back to wrap up the show and talk about the playoffs and what you think's going, what could go down on wildcard weekend uh, and previewing some of those matchups while the chiefs can hang out at home and rest and hopefully get healthy. And uh, speaking of getting healthy, that leads me into my number one question because it's kind of the house cleaning stuff, but when mm. that performance against the Raiders, the only thing that if you're looking for a negative or you're looking for something that wasn't positive, uh, the injury to Frank Clark. What mm. is your feeling from talking and being around the coaches um, after the game and what has been said during media availability thus far as to Frank Clark's possible availability when the Chiefs do play in a couple weeks in the divisional round? Um. <laughs> This is uh, I'm so glad you asked this because I have I have an answer um, Lovely. That, I th that I think will uh, alleviate some fears and concerns for Chiefs fans. Um, so when a player gets hurt, they are usually not in the locker room. You know, they're obviously mm -hmm. continuing to get more treatment. If it's more serious, they could be 
Um, obviously, in the x-ray room, obviously, you could be preparing to get a surgery um, or talking to a doctor. So, like, when a player gets injured and you don't see them in the locker room, that is the normal um, – that's the normal procedures, right? I think in Los Angeles I saw um, Clyde edwards layer in a walking boot, and that's when I realized, oh, he's probably done for the season, and that proves to be the case. Um, with Frank Clark, I saw him in the locker room after the game. Um, and Frank, as you know, BJ, not afraid to talk, even when he's not really required to, like if you're an injured player, you're usually not required to talk after games. Um, this is something that I snuck into my article at the athletic. I'm just going to read it, uh, verbatim here. Um, because I was so tickled by it. Obviously it didn't, you know, Frank, I thought played well in the first quarter and a half before his groin injury. Um, Andy Andy Reid said on Monday that it's a minor groin strain. Um, But basically, this is this is what I wrote. Quote in the locker room, Clark said he expects to be available for the Chiefs' first playoff game in the divisional round, which will either be January first or January second. Which is basically Frank Clark looking at me and being like, "I'm good." (laughs) And as he as he walked by, (laughs) so. he didn't really show signs of like, um, you know, major pain. Obviously, I can't experience what he feels internally, or obviously, I'm not uh, a doctor. But he said that he feels fine. Andy Reid sort of backed that up two days later, again on Monday. Um, and I think the team was just like, "Hey, we're getting pressure on Jared Stidham, and you are of immense value for the postseason. So there's no need to push it. There's no need to like." Um, you know, see if you can go back out there. Obviously, I think if it was a playoff game, it might be a different situation, um, which is something I couldn't ask Frank um, because, as you know, all those interactions are very quick. And, you know, right. I'm moving – my head was on a swivel because I was trying to get every guy in the locker room to talk about Arctic Circle too, um, <laughs> which is a hilarious phrase that I never thought oh, I was going to ever say. one of my burning questions, but yeah. we'll talk about the – the Kadera yeah. circle is what uh, Kent Swanson called it. <laughs> but anyway, um, Frank should be fine um, for the divisional round game. And that's the best news considering he was the one, I guess you could call significant injury from, from Saturday's game. Uh, that's good to hear. I saw, I saw the quote from coach Reed after the post game presser and it just made me laugh because it's just the way coaches talk about injuries. I put it out mm-hmm. on Twitter. It's just like, he's got a little groin, like Romeo, little he's got a little groin, he's got a little ankle. <laughs> <laughs> or you know the worst and like it's not his fault because he's not doc- obviously not a doctor no, right nor does he want to be he's coach Reed's notorious for this and i used to get like just eviscerated on social media because i'm not going to change what coach said so i'm putting mm-hmm. out there exactly what he said mm-hmm. but he'd be like he sprained his groin and it's like so i put out like he meant strained but he would always mix up like sprain strain and every time i tweeted out dr chow uh, the mm, active former NFL, trainer NFL, was, yeah. would always tell me how like in, how bad it was to <laughs> to put that information out there. I was like, you know what? I'm not changing coach's words. So uh, <sighs> anyway, one thing talking about Frank Clark, and I will reiterate this uh, all throughout the playoffs of what Frank Clark has done in the postseason. Mm-hmm. He is fifth in all NFL time. postseason history all time in, in sacks in the postseason with 11. If he has a strong postseason, they play a few games, they play three games and win a Super Bowl, he has a sack in each of those games, maybe sack and a half, which he has averaged throughout his career in the playoffs. He could finish this postseason second in NFL history. I don't think he's going to catch Willie McGinnis, who has 16 career postseason sacks. Frank Clark has 11. 
Wow. But when you're thinking in terms of like context of where Frank Clark ranks amongst all-time greats in the postseason, you're talking about players like Vaughn Miller, who has 10 and a yes. half. But Richard Dent, these are guys that Frank Clark has more postseason sacks than guys like Richard Dent, Michael Strahan, Neil Smith, Mike Vrabel, Kevin Green. I mean, Demarcus Ware, Simeon Rice, like some of the great, like Julius Peppers, Lawrence Taylor. Like, it's I know crazy. it matters how many playoff games they've played in, but that's like right. where Frank Clark is. So that's why it was my first burning question. And I will always look at these numbers. But Frank Clark, as far as moving up, one more sack, we give him 12 in his mm-hmm. postseason career. He'll tie Reggie White, like wow. that Reggie White for yeah. tied for fourth. And then one and a half sacks, he'll tie Terrell Suggs. Then it's Bruce Smith. And then Willie McGinnis has the most in NFL history. Uh, NFL postseason history, I should say, with 16 mm. career sacks, obviously, with his time with New England. But, Nate, thank you for the update on Frank Clark. Let's move on to the second uh, burning question. I think I've asked you a version of this question each week, but always brings out good stuff. Mm. Confidence scale mm. in the Chiefs right now from 1 to 10 following that win over the Raiders, where, to your point, to to reiterate, you just said what you thought was probably the most complete game in all three phases. Yes. What's your confidence scale for this team, obviously with the bye week and then going into the divisional round? Yeah, I think fans should be um, pretty positive about the team because Saturday's game was not a playoff game, but it had real implications. It had real stakes. Uh, they needed to yeah. win that game to get the one seed, which means – it's not a must win, but it's it's as close as as coach is going to replicate and coach as if it is a playoff game. Um, and they performed well under that setting. Um, are we going like 10 being the highest of my yeah. confidence? Okay, so from a scale of 1 to 10, right now I would say a 9 um, just because the quarterback playing at an MVP level will win the MVP award unless, you know, my colleagues are idiots. Um <laughs> So you have that, and he's healthy, right? He'll be even healthier than he was when he played Saturday because he will have essentially, you know, 14 days off at that point. Um, Their best player on defense had a career year, 15 and a half sacks from Chris Jones. Uh, Joe Cullen has really unlocked some of the things they're able to do to manipulate other teams' protection schemes or to find the weak link in the offensive line that Chris can go, you know, sort of exploit. Um, So I feel good about that. I don't know if the secondary is going to be excellent, but I, but like the best thing about what they showed Saturday is, hey, how do you perform with the lead? You know, and they've struggled at times yeah. under that setting, but it's like, you know, they double team Devontae Adams. They really neutralized his available, you know, his 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 ability to wreck the game in their manner from about the second quarter on. And hey, Juan Thornhill got another interception. I think Justin Reese played really well over the last month and a half. So you should have some confidence that the defense is trending also in an upward manner um, than what their end of season statistics sort of, you know, perceive or sort of present to an audience. And then, of course, um, the Chiefs have had the worst special teams in the league all season. When you look at EPA, it's been abysmal. But, hey, even with back spasms on Wednesday last week, you know, Harrison Bucker toughens it out, performs excellent. Um, for a Pro Bowl punter to sort of have to get to another level, which is, hey, let's get a little bit more consistent in these holds. Tommy Townsend did his job, and then he yep. flexed on the Raiders with a excellent punt in the second half. So because they have the one seed, because they don't have to play the Bengals and the Bills, which I cannot emphasize enough how important that is, that 
one of those two teams might have to actually do that. The the Bengals may have to win against Baltimore, go to Buffalo, beat Buffalo to earn the right to even play Kansas City for the yeah. Super Bowl in what would be obviously an AFC championship rematch. The Chiefs don't have to do that. Um, so that gives me another extra bump on the confidence level. And if I know we're gonna get to Arctic Circle, but if Andy Reid said, I just gotta get these plays off, right? I just gotta get Arctic Circle off, I just gotta get Leatherneck off, which includes Colin Saunders, one of our favorites. Hmm. Like, if I just got to get these plays out of here because, you know, it sets up stuff for the postseason or yeah. we have even better stuff for the postseason, <laughs> then I have to believe that, like, this team, again, is ready for a long postseason run, which, again, I have confidence that this team, if you give them one game to get the AFC Championship game at home, um, yeah. they deserve all the benefits of what they've accomplished so far this season. So I can't go 10 out of 10 because – Whoever they play in the championship game will be their equal, whether it's the Bills or the Bengals. Yeah. Um, but if that's the case, I do think they'll get there and they'll have a, obviously a good chance of winning that game to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I bring up a lot of great points. And I think especially when you talked about special teams in the EPA, I think having Kadarius Tony as the punt returner changes a lot of the confidence that we had early in the year. We've almost completely forgot about the struggles mm-hmm. in the punt return. At least I personally have. I'm not as worried mm-hmm. now when there's a punt where there was a stretch there every time the punt of the ball. It's like, <laughs> just get out of the way. Just let it bounce. Right, right. Try to catch it uh, and just get out. Send an extra guy and try to block it each time or something. Mm. Uh, put another gunner out there to try to let it bounce into the end zone or something. But, uh, but yeah, I team that was the performance that we wanted to see against the Raiders where we all felt pretty good on everything. They had six sacks as a team. Coach Reed even said it after the game that he thought that was, or I don't know, he said he thought it was the best performance, but he praised mm-hmm. the safeties with Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill specifically. Yep. We were watching the game at, up, up at Holiday Distillery and in the middle of the, at least in the middle of the third quarter, I uh, looked at Craig Stout and he's like, this is the best game the safeties have played all year. Mm. Like the way that Justin Reed was coming up, tackling, making plays yep. in the backfield. Spags was getting aggressive. I joked before the game, I thought it was going to be kind of vanilla. They weren't going to show a lot. <laughs> he just goes out and runs one of the funnest plays that we've seen yep. uh, Andy Reid run during his time. So can you please give us the backstory on the Arctic Circle? We've all seen it. We all know what it is. But what insider information can you give us about how this play came to be? Yeah, this is, uh, you know, this is why you do the job, right? Because, <laughs> you know, uh, the people in the building, you know, how the organization operates, obviously, on the football side. And, yeah, it's just like when that play happens, and even if it's, you know, disrupted by a penalty, it's like, man, that's going to be the moment that everybody remembers from this game. So mm-hmm. uh, I've already written a story about it. You can go check it out on theathletic.com. I would highly uh, recommend that you go do that um, because I've written before about a lot of their trick plays, and all of them usually occur in the red zone. When they're close to the goal line, it just gives them that extra little bit of an advantage when the yep. space is condensed um, on the field. So at that point, it's like, well, I'm going to go in the locker room, and I know I have to acknowledge that, like, you know, they've won the game, they got the one seed, but I need to interview all 11 guys who were on the field for this play. Um, and the cool thing about it is this is where coaching is at a higher level where, again – the coaches are like, these are our plays. These are our concepts. This is what we're trying to do against this opponent this week. And it gets very monogamous and it gets very tedious. Um, but for Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, who I think deserves a lot of credit, to encourage and empower everybody on the team, whether you're an offensive coach or a player on offense, to just come down to the quarterback's room 
where Andy Reid sort of let it out that it's the laboratory and just draw something up on the whiteboard or just write down what you think would be an interesting idea to, again, give us an advantage and to make the game fun. It's supposed to be fun um, so that we can continue to innovate while everybody else is just trying to get through week after week to play their best football. Um, My reporting leads me to believe that that idea was bore from Patrick Mahomes' brain. So in the midst of an MVP season, he's thinking of things like, why don't we do a ring around the rosy dance? <laughs> um, you know, uh, Andrew Wiley basically told me that, you know, it's funny mm-hmm. that Creed Humphrey told me that they've done two to three revolutions in practice and realized that's too much uh, <laughs> because, you know, he sort of joked that like, yeah, I got dizzy because Pat prolonged it, but <laughs> You got to see what's possible, which means you got to circle around two or three times. How does that, you know, how does that equate to the game, uh, to the to the play call, you know, the play clock, I should say. Um, It's so funny to me that, of course, they do this against the Raiders, which involves the victory lap. The last time the Raiders beat the Chiefs, they circled Arrowhead uh, a couple times. So uh, the Chiefs sort of respond by saying, well, we have this play and we haven't shown it. And we're up already, so why don't we just um, pour salt in this emotional wound for the Raiders and basically circle in front of them when they can't do anything about it, uh, which I thought was fascinating. And look, um, the play mostly got developed once the Chiefs realized Kadarius Tony was like something. And mm-hmm. without McCall Hardman, because of his abdominal injury, they could actually run this play because they have another comparable player in Kadarius Tony. And it's like, hey, man, we got to bring you up to speed. Um and so Patrick calls it snow globe. Uh, Kelsey basically said that they had convinced the coaching staff to do this right around Christmas time that, okay, you know, he, you know, as Andrew Wiley told me, Eric enemy saw us do it in a walkthrough and was like, we are putting this in the playbook. And so that's an anecdote for any NFL team who wants to possibly interview Eric enemy for a head coaching job. Because again, this is a coach empowering the players. And then the Mm -hmm. coaches corroborating and collaborating with the players on how to polish this ridiculous idea. So Andy Reid calls it Arctic Circle. Andrew Wiley calls it the Circle of Death. Um, There's so many names to this play. It's ridiculous. And, you know, I agree with with Dan Orlovsky on the broadcast. Um, Creed Humphrey blew this man's world up so bad that all he could do was flail his arms and the rest were like, that looks like holding. <laughs> so it's holding. <laughs> I, I still have so many questions about this play, but I, oh, I, I can answer all I, of them for you, BJ. I just <laughs> wanted to like, is it a sign of things to come? Is it like the new thing in the oh, NFL yeah. that the huddles are going to be moving. People are going to be moving around and just trying, like you said, get that one advantage, not to, to, you know, tear apart something that was fun and be like, how can they use this going forward? Uh, but yeah, that was one of those like jaw drops to start mm-hmm. laughing. Can you confirm that it, is there any connection between the circle and what happened a few years ago with John Gruden and the Raiders taking an extra lap, going a circle around Arrowhead? Cause there was some thoughts that this was a mm-hmm. response to that. Uh-huh. Can you confirm or deny that there was a connection between those two things. Um, BJ, they had had this play in the playbook before Christmas. 
Okay. Uh, if I remember correctly, they chose not to show it to the Seattle Seahawks, right? They chose mm-hmm. not to show it to the Denver Broncos. Again, Those as I said, a close. <laughs> true. <laughs> Probably true. not a great time to do this. True. But. true. But hey, yeah. you know. Fair. So they saved it for the Raiders. Huh. And I and as I've said earlier, Andy Reid's like, we gotta get this playoff before the other stuff that we have, which basically Justin reconfirmed to me. He's like, Man, there's so much. Like <laughs> that's what, like one of his like probably the best quote in the story is him saying uh, this is Justin Reed. Because, of course, I wanted to ask some of the defensive players, like, you guys had to be props. You guys had to be, like, landmarks yeah. for, like, what you think the opposing team might do. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so weird because it's, like, completely opposite of what they do. I want to see that card. I want to see Patrick Mahomes complaining to the defensive back. He's like, that's not what he's going to do. He sees us running around in circles. He's definitely going to go do this other thing. They get t- they make sure the scout team gives them the look that they want. Right. So, yeah. So, it, <laughs> so just – just reset. Um, I don't think the well ever ends in, in Andy Reid's bag of tricks, which is yeah. which is accurate. And of course, that's sort of amplified and, and boosted by the creativity of Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey, guys that have come up with their own play designs, and then they have to present it yeah. to the coaching staff, and the coaching staff has to obviously uh, tweak it or polish it in a certain manner to to get the play to be its most effective. What I'm getting at to BJ is no one wanted to say that to me. But also, Andrew Wiley was like, I'm so happy we put this on field, and I'm so happy we did it against the Raiders. So Fair. take that Fair as enough. an answer for what it's worth. But obviously I wrote about it in the story because <laughs> Intel had told me this was this was intentional. This was so it's either intentional or a very happy coincidence that just made a, it the cherry on top. Yep, that, that's basically how I wrote it. Uh, that section of the story was like, either it's coincidence or it's a fortuitous timing. Or they were accomplishing two things at once, which is uh, not only are we better than you, we're going to show just how much better we are. And also, why don't you watch a circle for a minute, dog? Why don't, why don't you watch us do this when you can't do anything? You know, which I think irritated Max Crosby to no end. I, I'm sure it did. It it, it annoyed <laughs> Quinn Miner, the Broncos offensive lineman, so fired up that he felt like talking about it. Which just... and he's on offense. He's not on defense. He's on offense, which I don't understand that sort of part part of it. Like Broncos he's had beat on the Chiefs offense. since he was in like twelve, like he was twelve years old or something. Like he, I'm sure he's upset. And it was like Derek Wolf. Like Derek Wolf used to say, like how much he absolutely despised the Chiefs because they can never yeah. beat him. He's like right. he's cool. That's my guy from there with Cincinnati together. He's like the rest yeah. of the guys. I hate those dudes, but it's funny to bring up like the different iterations that they probably have four or five different versions of the Arctic mm-hmm. circle, whatever you want to call it, circle of death, whatever you want to call that play the uh, quick note. And then we'll move on to the next question, but the I'll never forget uh, a former chiefs offensive player. I had asked him once about, it was actually that, that kind of inside tight end screen that they ran. They ran the play against the Raiders to Noah gray, so, yeah, yeah, that yeah. little mm-hmm. like inside screen tunnel screen kind of deal. Uh, I was asking about that play because they run a dot. I've seen, we've seen yeah. a lot of different versions of that play. There's 17 iterations of that play. And we've probably seen like eight or nine. Right. Like, since Andy Reid like developed that play and went back to, they, they think they had that thing when Alex Smith uh, was a yes. quarterback. So uh-huh. They, they uh-huh. still haven't shown all the different versions <laughs> of that play. And so to your point, wow. I think they're going to show a lot of the creative stuff. And even though we thought this was creative, it's like, you imagine the counters they have off of some of these things to get them on tape. Um, and, and, love and to just, see 
yeah. love to see the teams are sitting in defensive meeting rooms, watching them go in circles and having to like strategically talk yes. about who to look at, who, what personnel group is on the field. They're moving. They're not easy to find. You're normal huddle. You know where to look as a defensive player. Yep. Exactly. Like, oh, Tony's on the field. We got to pay attention to this dude or McKinnon in the red zone. You yes. definitely need to pay attention to that dude. So that's why Andy Reid said, it, you know, that's why it works is because it is there to create confusion and to create mm-hmm. um, mismatches because you're just not in the right leverage spot or you're misaligned um, into sort of who do you identify as like your guy if it's a man or your area if you're in zone. Um, one of the funniest parts was the Raiders just looking at one another like, like what? And then, of course, it's a personnel group that they don't use a ton in a formation that they haven't shown all year, which is, hey, um, Patrick's A, not going to get the ball. Right. And Travis Kelsey is like his personal blocker in this play. But you know that there's obviously stuff that can just that can just run off of that in and of itself before you get to the RPO action, the pass, you know, basically what Patrick said afterwards was the backside throw or the the throw across the field was the last thing that they sort of added to it because they realized as McKinnon becomes more of a prominent character in the red zone, obviously Kelsey's going to gravitationally pull a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of defenders in the back end that all of a sudden Kadarius Tony's the third option. And again, that's, that's wild. I thought we've seen it on tape, like how much attention that Kelsey and now to your point, McKinnon are getting, you put them on one side and then throw back to the most, the most shifty athletic explosive player on the offense with offensive linemen in front of them. And yes, uh, probably less defenders uh, than are following Kelsey and McKinnon around. It's, it's a beautiful thing. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, let's move on to the third burning question, and this is where we are going to pivot a little bit, start talking a little bit about the future, just because there was some news uh, that came out yesterday regarding a certain top former top 10 pick in the NFL draft that Brett Veach and company signed to a reserve futures deal. So uh, John Ross being that player uh, that most football fans will remember the name, one of the fastest mm-hmm. players, the combine record, all those kinds of things, uh, not eligible to play this year. So this has nothing right. to do with this team. It is beyond a reserve futures deal for the offseason training program and all of that. But, uh, thoughts on a very Brett Veach like move 
uh, to bring in the former top pick and uh, add another receiver to this group that we've talked about before. doesn't have a lot of guys under contract beyond this year. Yeah. So John Ross, former first round pick, who was he drafted by BJ? Mm, Cincy. Yes. Right? And so this, this yes. context is interesting because, you know, John Ross has dealt with injuries in the past, I believe. And since he just kept doing what the chiefs do, um, which I think is smart when, and this is even before they had the quarterback, obviously, or as they were getting Joe Burrow um, through the draft with the number one pick, but it's just like, Hey, um, we signed, you know, we drafted John Ross and he showed flashes at times in his rookie season, but also T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Jamar chase. Like, Good. If you want to compete in the AFC, go get wide receivers, right? Um, the Chiefs medical staff has done a wonderful job with Kadarius Tony so far. Um, they've taken some mitigated risk um, with obviously knowing that Patrick Mahomes accentuates the talents of wide receivers already. So with that in mind, and then this extra layer of, of context, which is it was around this time last year that the team, well, I think it was a little later in the in the, in the the quote-unquote offseason or future contracts timing, but it was around this time, I should say, that the team went out and signed Justin Watson. Hmm. And Justin Watson has been on the team all season. So this is a little bit of you have a skill set that if you stay healthy, our quarterback can maximize your strengths with our yep. coaching staff that will scheme you up to get open. And you're motivated and incentivized to perform at your best because you want to obviously stay in the league and you're on the team with the best quarterback. So that's why John Ross signed with the Chiefs on whatever, two days ago or Monday, I guess, whatever it was official. Yeah. And lastly, um, it's hard to project, again, because of the postseason, um, it's hard to project where the roster will be from a positional standpoint at the receiver position. Essentially, yeah. the only people that are under contract are MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, um, Kadarius Tony, who's on a rookie deal, and Sky Moore, who's obviously yep. finishing out his rookie season. He has the last rated hand. We'll obviously have an update on him as to whether or oh, not yeah. he's going to be available yep. for the postseason. But one would think uh, the way Tyler Lockett played for the uh, Seattle Seahawks last weekend gives, I think, some hope that he might be available because, you know, their hand injury was a little bit different, but Tyler Lockett got back pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so with that in mind, now you can just add. They're going to draft a receiver in the draft, guys. Like, yeah. I'm just going to say that right now. They're going to take somebody in the draft at the receiver position. It's just a matter of when um, and how the board sort of, you know, falls or, or, you know, shifts along the draft class. But that's what the Chiefs want to do. Um, and then you're just going to have a number of these guys where you're just going to take um, not necessarily risks. You're just going to take more shots. You know, it's a chance for them to maximize at the position, have a true mm -hmm. competition, see who are the six or five receivers that will be on the roster for next year. Um, I think the Chiefs want to sign Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not saying that this move negates one other move later down the road, but because of the success that Justin Watson has shown, and he was more of a veteran than John Ross is right now, um, you think you don't think John Ross can run a, a, a motion and then just run a wheel route and Patrick Mahomes can't hit him? I don't know what's going to happen with Justin Watson this season because he's obviously a free agent. But what I am saying is if you have the quarterback in the coaching staff in place and John Ross can stay healthy, yeah, he will contribute to the team next year, which is why you do this now before he can really get to like free agency. Um, and that's what they did a year ago with Justin Watson, who was probably their most coy 
sneak attack acquisition that actually turned helped turn the divisional odds in their favor. I know that sounds wild, but it's true. He cooked JC Jackson. He just had the longest play of scrimmage of the entire season against the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, he 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 has he has been a deep threat that was not supposed to be on the team this year. And they signed him in like early February, I think, last year. We not you and I should have had more discussions because I will I'm not gonna pat myself on the back for this one, but I had some inside information on this one from years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, in that the year that Justin Watson was competing, I talked about this before. Uh, I talked about when it when the move happened. Mm-hmm. That the year Justin Watson was in the senior bowl. Uh, I was working for the Chiefs. I was down there, and it was the one senior bowl that I got to be kind of embedded with the scouts. I was doing like a behind the scenes. This is their process. This is what they do. And at the time, it was like, don't talk about the players that we talk about or <laughs> grades, like all that. Like, don't be an idiot. And like, all right, yes, I, I understand this. Uh, but years later, now that it doesn't matter, I can share at least this one story. Uh, the only one I'm going to share from that, uh, what I learned during that trip. But I sat with Brett for probably most of one practice. Mm. And I swear to you, Nate, about 75% of the practice, he was waxing poetic on this kid from Western PA named Justin Watson and he, the whole time. And so that whole draft, I remember every time I'd write about the wide receivers going into the draft, is like, do I talk about Justin Watson? Because if like Brett sees it, he's going to know that I put that in there because I knew yes. him. Yes. He wasn't going to be a highly drafted player or anything. So I don't remember what I put in uh, the content that I was doing for Chiefs.com. But when, he, when they <laughs> signed him, I texted Brett and I was like, you finally got your guy. And he just said something like about time. Like I knew he was a guy that, that Brett really liked and he's got a skill set and he's a lot faster, uh, a lot better athlete than yep. he gotten credit for. And, you know, I'll never, and going back to John Ross uh, and that decision, it always reminds something that Chris Ballard told me years ago uh, when he mm-hmm. was at the chiefs, as far as like what kind of like his drafting strategy and he's, as far as drafting, always been very good mm-hmm. yep. uh, in that regard. Say we can find a quarterback and a coach. But anyway, uh, what Chris Ballard had said was you, you, you give guys chances who have unique traits. It was that phrase, unique traits is what stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Like you give a guy like John Ross an opportunity to come in, prove that he can stay healthy because he can do something that very few players athletically can do with his speed right. and what he can do. Similar to even Kadarius Tony and the way that they can mm-hmm. utilize him is that he's got something that they can figure out a way to utilize on the field. Whereas a lot of people, I think on the outside, talk about what players struggle with and what they can't do. Coaches and coordinators and position, co- they look for things that, other people can't defend or they can't mm. stop defensively as far as their athleticism. So yes. John Ross has a unique trait that the chiefs are bringing in banking on, stay healthy, learn the offense. And then you've got something that we could at best, if this works out, can help us move on uh, and, and play at a high level. But uh, staying with this futures conversation, moving on to our f- fourth burning question. And I got this. I saw this on Chiefs Wire. Uh, my friend Charles Goldman uh, yep. wrote this article on his site there for USA Today. But uh, I talked about the fact that once the regular season was over, the Chiefs 2020 draft class can now officially those guys can sign extensions going into a season with their uh, final rookie deal. And so my question for you is of these five guys I'm about to mention, because I'm dropping this on you, uh, mm-hmm. get a natural mm-hmm. reaction. Five mm-hmm. guys are eligible to sign these extensions. I'm going to go through all five of them, talk a little bit about their 22 season, just to kind of stall a little bit, give you an opportunity to think through your answer for the listeners here. All right. Number one, running back, Clyde Edwards-Elair. 
mm-hmm. played in 10 games this year, 302 yards, three touchdowns. I don't think Clyde Edwards, Aguilar, at least based on his rookie deal, the fifth year option, all that. I don't know if be surprised if he came back to the chiefs. I still think Clyde has something. He's going to get a shot somewhere in the league. Uh, don't know if it's going to be with the chief. So taking that mm-hmm. answer right off the table, because mm-hmm. I know it wasn't with these other guys. Second one, we'll stay on the offensive side. There's two offensive players, offensive okay. tackle, Lucas Niang. Mm-hmm. He's played 10 snaps mm-hmm. this year as a player that really has had a rocky start to his career. Mm-hmm. Opted out with the COVID year and he had a big injury. Hasn't worked his way onto the field as Andrew Wiley's pretty much held onto that right tackle spot, even as he had different points at which he struggled. Uh, but Lucas Niang is available to hang around get an extension. Um, and then it's the three defensive guys that are most likely, um, I believe to be your, to be your answer. Uh, first one, Willie Gay jr. In 2022 career high number set in terms of tackles with 88 sacks with two and a half and passes defensed with eight. Mm-hmm. Probably the most likely one cornerback. Legereus Sneed mm-hmm. is 2022 season, 108 tackles. Three and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, 11 pass breakups, and Legereus Need is pro football focuses number 10 ranked corner in the NFL. Again, number 10 in the NFL among cornerbacks that have played at least half their snaps. So I think he's yep. actually like 15th. Cut that off for guys who actually are on the field a lot. Side nugget on this and separating it like that, there's only two teams in the NFL that have two cornerbacks ranked in the top 15 of pro football focuses, cornerback grades. It's the Kansas city chiefs because Trent McDuffie is ranked 15th Trent in the NFL. Good. He's so good. 15th in the NFL as a mid Did- to late round, first round pick, which is crazy. How many cornerbacks were drafted above yeah. one of which is number one in sauce Gardner for the New York jets uh-huh. and the New York jets are the other team. It's sauce Gardner and Michael Carter are the two wow. cornerbacks for the jets that are ranked. I think one in like 12. And the Chiefs have 10 and 15. Again, one of only two teams in the NFL alongside the New York Jets to have two cornerbacks ranked in the top 15 of pro football folks is great. So Legereus need a very good one. And then a sneaky, solid option to give because I don't think be terribly expensive right now and has showed some development is defensive end Mike Dana mm-hmm. is open and eligible for a contract. Uh, so he's got a career high of five sacks this year to help the Chiefs really improve in that area. I'll have a, a YouTube short that I'm producing uh, later today regarding uh, just the Chiefs defense and the sacks and, and what that has looked like this year. Oh, um, I look but, forward to that. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Get, okay. going to dust off the old video editing skills. Yeah. Um, but of those five guys, give me your top two most likely because I think one of them is kind of easy. Yeah, LeJarius Need is the most um, logical one. So uh, I'll be fascinated to see how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. He's also now been given the responsibility of you travel with usually the best team's receiver, um, which he did sparingly at times with, uh, with obviously Devontae Adams last week. Um, So yeah, I'm assuming the chiefs and and Legeus will have a conversation. Um, Willie Gay is interesting. Um, He is a second round pick. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, He is now a starter. Uh, one side of me says, you know, because of the suspension over the year, because um, he's still a young player, you might want to see another full season of of Willie Gay um, mm-hmm. in the system. On the other side is if you could somehow get a team friendly deal for Willie Gay, then that would make probably the best sense for the team standpoint. If yeah. I was representing Willie Gay, 
I think you can get even better, which means you may not come to an agreement. You may play out the final deal of your rookie contract. Um, for stability purposes, because Andrew Wiley is a free agent, it does make some sense to um, give a you know logical and, again, reasonable contract extension offer to Lucas Niang because, again, he's worked with the training staff yeah. this entire time. And when healthy last year, he did show that he is capable of being a competent offensive right tackle. Um, we still don't know what the effects of of what his play style is going to be coming back from that um, knee injury. It was quite significant. Right. Um, it's only been a year now since that injury occurred, which I like to remind people all the time. They played the Bengals right after New Year's Day of 2022, and that's when he had the injury um, before the regular season finale against um, you know the 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 Denver Broncos. So. With him being back already, that's a good sign. Um, with him being like basically the swing tackle in case something happens in these next few games, uh, that's mm-hmm. obviously another benefit for him as well. So he makes the most sense. As I think about Clyde Edwards Alaire, this is how I can see it playing out, BJ. They will not pick up his fifth year option. It makes no sense to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Clyde Edwards Alaire is with the team, he has been in the facility the last couple weeks. There is a there is a minor chance, and I think he actually helps. The team getting the bye kind of helps his chances. There's a minor chance he might be in uniform instead of Ronald Jones. But, <laughs> by the way, Ronald Jones averaged four and a half yards a carry against yep. the Raiders. So, you know, Ronald Jones is starting to get into a little bit of a rhythm now. He obviously scored a touchdown in the game. So, you know, do you play with the hot hand or do you obviously bring a guy back from, from a significant, you know, high ankle injury? So when the season ends, the Chiefs will – have meetings at the combine involving Clyde Edwards-Alaire with other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they will try to find a best possible solution of trading him. Likely, uh, they will see where he is on the trading block. In essence, what usually happens then is the player comes back for the off-season workouts. It's usually voluntary. I can tell you right now, I'm not sure if Clyde is going to be around for the voluntary portion of OTAs. Then you have mandatory minicamp and training camp. It will behoove both parties that Clyde show flashes in next season's po- uh, preseason. And then at that point, if there's an injury at, at the position for another team, um, it may lend Clyde Rizalaire to be traded right before the start of the regular season. If that does not occur, well, then he is on the final year of his rookie contract yeah. with a chance to be a part of the committee with, we assume, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, yeah. We assume Jarrett McKinnon probably going to come back on another one-year deal if all goes well for him. So he'll be part of that committee again, um, but he won't have as many snaps or chances to prove himself in a way similar to what Josh Jacobs just did for the Raiders, which is lead the league in rushing in the contract year after the team denied him the chance of the fifth-year option. If Clyde wants to do that, it would probably serve him best to do it on another team, to have to have the chance to maximize his opportunities to have a stellar season in the final year of his rookie contract before he hits free agency. Um, I think all parties understand this. And yet, if something unforeseen happens in January, and if Clyde Rizlair is available, he might be on the field to try to contribute to some degree to help the team get back to the Super Bowl. Um, But as you said, BJ, um, 
there's there the the odds are increasing that he might not be with the Chiefs when the 2023 regular season starts. You bring up a lot of good stuff there, and we'll quickly move on from Clyde Edwards-Helaire. But it's an interesting point to be made. And if if Clyde Edwards-Helaire is back on this team, and and fans that are not fans of him are trying to figure out why, and this is just me playing not devil's advocate, but just the other side of this is that you need bodies at the running back position. Unless you draft another one and you've got two young guys, the, the financial part of this comes in because Clyde Edwards-Alaire is only due $2 million next year. His cap hits like $3.4 million, which in general isn't very much money compared to mm-hmm. what you would have to spend on a veteran. Some in veteran free, free just, agent goes and hits yep. the market. He's mm-hmm. going to cost you more than what Clyde Edwards-Alaire is right now. So is yep. the difference of a guy and like Ronald Jones. I looked up his contract. He's making $1.25 million. Mm-hmm. for where he is right now. So you go get a Ronald Jones who could be as excited as you want, but has not had an opportunity to play and Clyde has, and that the team obviously feels that Clyde Brazilier is significantly better than Ronald Jones when he's healthy. They have mm-hmm. made that point and they have proven that to us. So if yep. Clyde Brazilier is back, it's a matter of they didn't think anybody in free agency that would likely cost more was worth the difference in value of what they already have with somebody who's here, who's going to be motivated uh, mm-hmm. to come out and do whatever he needs to do in the offseason to get his body right, to come in and perform well. And then it gives him options if he performs well and they draft another guy or you know they yep. hit on an undrafted free agent, which we've seen before. Reserve which, future is, which, is like, which is likely what they'll do at the position. Yeah. I, yeah. A John Ross type at running back coming in. Uh, and mm-hmm. being signed and giving him an opportunity. We've seen it with Sharkandrick West. We saw it with Spencer Ware. Those guys both signed rever- reserve future deals, practice squad type players, and they stepped up. And when they got their deals, those were three-year, $9 million. I'll never forget because they got the exact identical deal, which I don't know mm-hmm. if that's ever happened for two players on the same team, but they got three-year, $9 million deals. Uh, so that's what it costs mm-hmm. in free agency or to sign those players to extensions at that time. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Let's move on to the fifth burning question, and that is bringing it back uh, to the AFC playoffs. Not Chiefs, but let's talk a little wild card weekend uh, again here with Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Nate, let's start with the Buffalo-Miami game. Mm-hmm. What are your expectations of what could go down in this one? Is Teddy Bridgewater going to play in this game? I don't think they're going to tell us until they absolutely have to. They have to, not, yeah. I mean, obviously that changes a whole lot. Yeah. Um, God, by the way. Who's going to play? And I like Skylar Thompson. Don't get me wrong. God like bless Skylar Thompson. Thompson. Hey, great hey, dude. Dolphins legend got us to the playoffs. Uh, you know, I just, but yeah, I don't know. Going we're asking a Buffalo. lot. It's <laughs> a lot. We're asking ask. a lot. Uh, it would it would serve the Dolphins well if they had a veteran quarterback who's you know been uh, in some adverse situations like Teddy Bridgewater. The only issue is he's he really hasn't been able to finish many of the games that he has been available for the Dolphins. Um, serving in that sort of backup role to Tua Tagovailoa, um, I expect the Bills to win. Um, it's a divisional game. If they don't tack, if they don't tackle Raheem Mostert, it is their fault. Uh, that is probably what the Dolphins will lean on most. Um, look, now there's chances for a team to get pressure on Josh Allen. The Bills are still struggling with their own offensive line, although Mitch Morse came back um, these these recent weeks. I, I do get the sense that Buffalo obviously is better. Um, I think it probably serves the league best if the Bills and the Bengals meet 
only this time it will be in Buffalo for the division round. I have a real feeling, BJ, that 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 has the more I think about that matchup and obviously everything that occurred, um, you know, just a week ago um, Mm -hmm. or a little a little more than a week ago, it really serves up one of the best divisional games that might ever be played. I if Chiefs Bills last year in the divisional round is the one that jumps to mind, I think. Bills Bengals may may serve um may meet that may meet it in the echelon of of, of memorable postseason games that even weren't even in the championship round. So yeah. I, I think the Bills will win. Um it's great that the Dolphins got to the postseason. It's just it's unfortunate that their quarterback has had three concussions. Right. Um and is likely not going to play. And that sort of um that just sort of disregards their ability to really be most effective. As I as I look at the Bengals though. Is Lamar Jackson go play? Lord, yeah, please let's, let... talk, let's talk. Let's move on. Let's talk a little Ravens Bengals uh, in this one. Cause Lord, yeah. please let this man play. Come on. I mean, now look, he's in a contract. Like he, by the way, um, this is the real uh, torn tug of war. I think emotionally going on for Lamar Jackson. $40 million is already on the table. Like it's just it's there. Like thirty-five million to forty million is available for you. They gave Deshaun Watson all that money, and he played like boo boo this season. So you're an MVP. It's a lot of GMs not happy with the Deshaun Watson contract for a lot of reasons. I mean, can we just you followed the the NFLPA and the news and the like the (laughs) collusion stuff like. Bad. It's why I brought it up because he played like not only did we give you this. And you had all this time to prepare, and this is how you look? Either that's a, a coaching malpractice, or <laughs> that is never happening again, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I understand that you play for your teammates. It's a team sport. You give them the best chance to win. Obviously, you beat the Bengals earlier this season when Lamar Jackson was healthy. I don't know if he's fully healthy, but if he plays, can they can they make it a – Really uncomfortable fourth quarter for the Bengals if Lamar Jackson plays. If he doesn't play, they should not get on the bus. Don't get on the plane. Stay in Baltimore. I don't see how they go. Like, the firepower that the Bengals possess right now, and obviously the way Joe Burrow was playing, which is also at an MVP level, is terrifying. So I think it's fascinating that, like, from a contract projection it really doesn't serve Lamar Jackson to play in this game because we know how talented he is when healthy. Yeah. The only issue he's had is he has not finished the regular season the last two years because of injury. But if he plays, can they make it uncomfortable because it is a divisional opponent and they have their quarterback um, as healthy as he could be at this time of the year? Can they make it uncomfortable for the Bengals in the fourth quarter? Um, I still think the Bengals will win, which will set up in the Chiefs' favor. Um, Bengals, Bills, where they'll have to really um, – go toe-to-toe with one another to have the right to play in the championship game. And lastly, BJ, um, the Chargers-Jaguars. The Jaguars played a real playoff game last week, and there's real, there is real experience that you can gain that can serve you. I know the Chargers are probably the better team. Let's talk I, about Mike Williams. As as I, also done, know, yeah, I also know. <laughs> Go ahead, BJ. Tell them. Tell them what. Tell them. Tell them what they did was so so ridiculous. 
you know, when you're like a fan, you're watching a game and there's no reason there's no benefit to your top players, especially one who's got a history of injuries to be on the field when it doesn't matter. And you're just sitting there like, why is he out there? Yes. You can't gain anything from this game, coach. Come on. Why is he on the field? dealing with the stuff that he's dealing with. Same conversation could be had for Keenan Allen, who was on the field. Uh, and then I saw Brennan Staley's explanation afterwards. That's, I hope you might need to change some of the things that he said before it goes to ownership <laughs> this offseason and explains how a team is uh, picked to win the division for seven years and never wins. Uh, and now they're, they're, they're one key, really <laughs> dangerous offensive their one key dangerous offensive weapon is likely not available in the playoffs because uh, you played him at a time that it didn't matter. Tough. He he's gonna Tough try. Work. He's gonna try. He might be not obviously at his peak uh, condition. Yeah. Um. I just think that the Chargers haven't been here before, at least not this iteration with Justin Herbert. So if Justin Herbert struggles, hey man, it's the playoffs. This is a different level of the sport, and for as good as you are. If Mike Williams is not there, who, buddy, it gets it gets real yeah. tough. And the other Josh Allen is capable of making a game-winning play like he did last week against the Tennessee Titans. So I think it really serves Jacksonville that they went through what they went through last week, yeah. that they have a coach who's been to the Super Bowl, that's won the Super Bowl, that can get his guys to perform better in the following week against a coach that, again, has not played, has not coached in the, in the postseason as the head coach on a roster that – has a lot of expectations. It is grateful to be there, but this is another level now. And in these games, and I'll just, just being honest, in the games where the competition raises, the Chargers have not performed well. Right. Look at a lot of their wins. They are good, but they have not beaten the better echelon teams. Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, Jaguars. Lost them earlier this season. They played the 49ers. They were a broken team at the time. But, hey, the 49ers didn't have their – Top two quarterbacks and also lost basically in that game. Jimmy Garoppolo was not great. He eventually got hurt. But it's but you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. All this is to say is I think Jacksonville will win. I think Jacksonville mm-hmm. will be the Chiefs opponent for the divisional round for all That'd the reasons I mentioned earlier. And yeah. look, Jacksonville is getting better. I don't know yeah. if I can say that about the Chargers. I think the Chargers have been pretty stable um, in terms of what their talent level is. I think because of Trevor Lawrence, because of the coaching staff, because the defense has gotten a lot better over the course of the season, um, that they'll probably win this game. And it will surprise most of America, but it won't surprise me, BJ, because that team has already been through it. They're the home team. They already beat the Chargers earlier this season. And if we're questioning what Brendan Staley did in week 18, I mean, he better bring it in week 19. Um, So, it's a lot more than just the quarterbacks, even though Lawrence and yeah. Herbert will get much of the billing. I think team-wise, I have more faith in the home team in Jacksonville, and I think that's probably who the Chiefs will face. And by the way, Chiefs turned the ball over three times against the Jacksonville Jaguars and still won. Can't do that. Yeah, Can't do that second time around. Can't do that because Jacksonville, Jacksonville has only gotten better from that game moving forward. Yeah, I think it was back in week 10, 27-17, Chiefs won. Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdowns, 330 yards, and they turned the ball over. That was a uh, Christian Kirk performance that LeJarius Need is probably going to want another crack 
at that mm-hmm. one with how he played in that one. But the one surprising thing, speaking of surprising things that you just mentioned, you said, I won't be surprised. I'm a little surprised that you're taking the Chargers medical team's uh, word <laughs> at is a back contusion <laughs> from Mike Williams. He's going to be back on the field. If there's any group look, that man, shouldn't look, get necessarily look, the benefit look, of the look. doubt. <laughs> That dude may have like a cracked spine for all we know. Like it's a little oh, back contusion. Man. Everybody just leave him alone. Stop back. asking questions. It's a little back. He's yeah, just got just, a little back. A little back. It's pain. a little back. It's just it just serves, you know, the entire body. But it's just, just a little they, back. The Chargers absolutely need him to all the points that you just made. The yeah. Chargers need Mike Williams to go out there and play to win this game. And uh yeah. We'll see what happens. Fun, interesting games. Hopefully the quarterback stuff gets figured out. Yeah. I hope to a uh, to all the jokes that we make about wanting to beat Buffalo and all of that. Hope Tua doesn't play in this game. He's been IR since Christmas. Things are more important. We'll see about Teddy Bridgewater and then the the fighting Skylar Thompson's, but uh, should be a fun matchup. Should be a good uh, fun weekend of football. We appreciate everybody for hanging out on this episode. If you want some more of your chiefs fix right now, go and check out the laboratory. Those guys recorded Monday night. Uh, had some great conversations, not only about John Ross, but everything else going on with the Chiefs following that win over the Raiders and, and what to, to look for going forward. So uh, Nate Taylor from The Athletic, what are you working on this week uh, as the Chiefs have a bye? You got a little more time, a little more freedom maybe to write whatever you want. What do you want to tease before you let the good people go? Um, I'm going to write something about Patrick Mahomes, of course. And then, um, you know, I think something that I'm going to put together is what are the what is the formula for the Chiefs defense to be at its most effective, most complementary to the offense in the postseason? That's something I'm going to work on. That's going to dig into some stats, a little bit of an anecdote, and uh, and yeah, and and also like <laughs> it's just weird, man. This, like at some point, I've got to write about the special teams, even though they played their best last week. I mean, I think Chiefs fans all know if there's a, if there's a reason things don't go well. It might be special teams related. So Dave Tobe had a really interesting had really interesting comments last week, and it served him well that his unit performed well. But they still deserve their own sort of examination ahead of the postseason. Yep. All right. Good stuff, Nate Taylor from the Athletic. Appreciate everybody for hanging out. Hit that follow. Hit that like and subscribe. Depending upon where you're watching, we appreciate everybody for hanging out. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.